Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ranking Thrones. I am James Kelly. Now I'm Evan Camacho. Every week, Evan and I meet to, to, to rank the kings and queen who sat on the Iron Throne, all the way from Aegon the Conqueror, Conqueror to Joffrey the Illborn. This week, we are concluding our, our two-part episode on Aegon V, Aegon the Unlikely. And from our last week, we Evan found out why he got that nickname. He was very much an unlikely king, but through horrible natural disasters and a little bit of um, just lack of luck on other people, Aegon became king. Mm. And it's just like a great, great, great storytelling, basically. Well, not basically. It is. It's a wonderful story. And there are certain things like this in history. But with that theme and, and going off and segueing into, I ask, who is he based on? And Egg is a little bit more tricky, as he does not seem to be directly based on any particular king. Though I do think he does bear some similarities to the legendary and somewhat factional fiction factual king arthur yeah in terms of his more peasant life and as we will see arthur's unsuccessful attempts at reforming his kingdom yes one of his sons one of egg's sons bears a striking resemblance to a modern english king that we'll touch on in a little bit so let's get pick up where we left off Last week we covered all of his, all of the detailed life, and including what happened in the three novellas that have been published so far, along with everything that led up to Egg becoming being declared king. So, now, the reign of Aegon V. Egg wanted Aemon to stay on as his hand, but Aemon turned it down. He also famously left his brother with advice he would later impart on Jon Snow. Kill the boy within you. It takes an Aegon, not an egg, to rule. Kill the boy and let the man be born. Aemon, wanting to avoid any factions who wanted to support his claim, went to the wall and was accompanied by a visiting Sir Duncan. Aegon immediately tested his, his resolve and strength as king by charging Bloodraven with the murder of Aenys Blackfire. Bloodraven said he did what he did for the good of the realm, and half the court agreed with him. But Aegon knew that Bloodraven had broken a sacred vow of hospitality and had to be punished. But Bloodraven was given the option of commuting his death sentence by joining the Night's Watch. Bloodraven agreed and accompanied Dunk and Maester Aemon. Bloodraven would eventually become the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch before traveling beyond the Wall and becoming the Three-Eyed Raven. Nice. So, that was such a surprise and huge, delightful twist in the books, reading that. It's like, Bloodraven is alive and he is the Three-Eyed Raven. And in the books, he is so merged with the weirwood tree. He's basically mostly tree, and it's just barely still alive. 
in a conventional way. Over a hundred years old, but Blur Raven is still alive, and he's still very much affecting the books. Nice. So that was a cool surprise. So I think these these spin-off novels are actually very important. Hmm. Huh. That's a little surprising. Yeah. Aegon's crown, unlike his father's warlike crown, was a humble gold circlet. I also suspect, although this is just speculation, that in private, Dunk would call his king Egg. <laughs> Aegon immediately became king in the midst of a brutal winter. Aegon sent as much relief as possible to the north. Some grumbled he did too much. Eh. Aegon immediately began to instill many reforms to help improve the lives of the small folk. The people adored him for doing this, but the lords hated him for doing this. They said he was trying to strip them of their, the gods' given rights. They resisted many of the reforms as proposed, forcing Aegon to compromise, which upset him greatly. Aegon and his sons had to fight in the Fourth Blackfire Rebellion. Unlike the first and third Blackfire Rebellion, the rebels received little support and were immediately attacked by the crown's forces. Perhaps the people stood by their king already because of the, his reforms and care in the midst of a, the brutal winter. Sir Duncan personally killed the Blackfire pretender, Damon III. It would be the final Blackfire rebellion led by Bittersteel, who would die in exile. He died as he lived with a sword in his hand. But the Golden Company still continued long after Bittersteel. Ah, uh, yes. And there still were Blackfires alive. Mm-hmm. But that would be the last of Bittersteel, who was the one who swayed Damon Blackfire to rebel against Darren II. So now he's gone, and Bloodraven is off in the wall. So both of, the, of that generation is no longer in play. The major instigators are sort of out of the way. Absolutely. So, picking up a little bit on something Evan wanted to harp on a little bit last week. Aegon decided that the incestuous marriage of the Targaryens was no longer necessary. He betrothed his sons and daughters to highborn lords and ladies that would be advantageous. Unfortunately... These plans did not go well. Oh, boy. His eldest son, Prince Duncan, who was the heir to the Iron Throne, had fallen in love with a peasant named Jenny of Oldstones. Oh, no. He insisted that he wanted to marry her. Even for the reforming Aegon, he could not let his heir marry a peasant. Yeah, sorry. It's like, no, 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 no. You have to, you can't marry a commoner. Not the heir to the throne, I'm sorry. No. If you're the son, we'll talk about it, but not the heir to the throne. Man. They all tried to persuade Duncan to abandon Jenny. When he refused, he had to surrender his claim to the throne. The people adored the romance of Jenny of Oldstones and Prince Duncan, but this created a huge problem. 
You might remember from seeing season eight that Jenny of Old Stone is the is the woman that that uh, uh, the name the name Podrick is sings about yeah. just before the battle for Winterfell. Prince Duncan was supposed to marry Lord Lionel Baratheon's daughter. Oh, no. When he was denied this marriage, the Laughing Storm decided to declare the Stormlands were seceded from the Seven Kingdoms. He dubbed himself King Lionel I. A brief but bloody rebellion ensued. Sir Duncan was sent to challenge the Laughing Storm to single combat to resolve the crisis. Dunk was able to beat Lionel Baratheon, who bent the knee to Aegon once more. To appease Lionel, Aegon promised his youngest daughter's hand to marry one of his sons. This couple's grandson would be Robert Baratheon, who overthrew Aegon's dynasty. How poetic. Ironic, poetic, your choice. Tragic, even? Yes, tragic, even. Well, because, like, when we go, we'll get to it eventually when we talk to Rob about Robert and about Ares the second, but the Baratheons, such long historic close ties with the Targaryens. Finally split. All the the houses and lords in the Seven Kingdoms, House Baratheon is undoubtedly the most closest to the Targaryens. No. Aegon's middle son, Jaehaerys, did something just as frustrating if not worse in some ways. What did he do? Jaehaerys fell in love with his sister, Shara Targaryen. Okay. The king and queen tried to separate them and prevent it from going too far, but this only exacerbated it. Oh. Oh, and by the way, just um, one of the arguments that Prince Duncan used when he argued that he wanted to marry for love was that his father had married for love. Mm. And Aegon had trouble arguing with that point. Aegon was was fourth in line for the throne as opposed to first. And he still married a lady, a high lady. He married a Blackwood. Duncan married a peasant girl. Yeah, there's a bit of a stretch. So... Back to Jaehaerys, though. Jaehaerys and Shara married in secret and consummated the marriage. Aegon was forced to accept the marriage. Later, Jaehaerys forced his son Ares to marry his sister, Rayla. Aegon exhausted and washed his hands of responsibility. Also, Aegon's third son simply refused to marry his betrothed, Olena Redwin. He was gay and later died in battle. Later, okay, Olena Redwin would become Lady Tyrell and was known as the Queen of Thorns. <laughs> Aegon was becoming increasingly frustrated that the lords continued to resist his populist reforms and wished he could have dragons to compel the lords to accept his reforms as Aegon the Conqueror had done once. 
Aegon started to have everyone research into the possibility of hatching dragons. He gathered his living sons and grandsons, along with Sir Duncan, to Summer Hall. He had several pyromancers and maesters prepare wildfire and dragon eggs. Several lords attended this ritual. Not good. There was a disaster, and everyone who survived it is tight-lipped as to what exactly happened. Did Aegon fall prey to Targaryen madness and burn Summerhall to resurrect the dragons? Did the lords try to stop Aegon from hatching dragons so he could not enact his reforms? What was Aegon trying to do? Some people think he was going to sacrifice his newborn great-grandson Rhaegar to bring forth the dragons. No one is sure, but only Prince Jaehaerys, Prince Ares, Princess Rayla, the newborn Prince Rhaegar, and Sir Barristan the Bold survived the tragedy of Summer Hall. Jesus. Obviously, if we get the final Duncan Egg novella, we probably will find out what happened. But for now, this is a mystery. And a very haunting, curious mystery. Four people survived, that's it. Maybe more. Maybe. I believe it's Maester Maester Gildane, the author, in quotes, of uh, Fire and Blood, Volume 1, and the theoretical Volume 2 also survived this. Not good. Not good. It was a disaster, but what happened? What happened? What? We don't know. That, that that first started talking like it was because like when you read the the main series it's kind of like the great shock of like that oh egg becomes king wow how'd that turn out not good and, it, and it's not really talked about until the fifth book in the series where where suddenly sir barristan the bold is a pov character and he starts alluding to this tragedy of summer hall and it's just like well what happened well, what happened? And okay, if I can like get sidetracked and tell you just a little bit of where George R. R. Martin is both a magnificent troll to his fans, right? Is the world of ice and fire? He he has in it that that the one page of manuscript that explained what happened at the tragedy of Summer Hall, mm-hmm. a blotch of ink blocked out everything on that page. <laughs> It's just like, oh, Martin, you, you troll. And originally, like, he was debating actually having that in the book as just a giant ink blot, blotted page. But his editors and, like, co-authors convinced him, if you do that, people will think they got an effective book. True. So, yeah. That's funny. But so not good. Let's rank him now. So, he ruled for 26 years, so 26 points for that. Pretty good. He is the longest reigning of the last five we will do. Fair enough. So, my notes. When he was only a boy, he and Sir Duncan helped to end the second Blackfire Rebellion without it becoming a war. At age 10, he cowed a lord into submission and caused another to flee. Nice. 
He was beloved by the people and brought reforms that were not that were to the people's benefit. We do not have the details of these reforms, but they were not popular with the lords. Yeah. But if they were popular with the people, I think they were probably the best. Yes. Barristan the Bold thought he was the only king that he served that was worthy of being king. Okay. He had the potentially disastrous rebellion of the Laughing Storm end with a single trial by combat. Good. He crushed the fourth Blackfire Rebellion, Lord Lionel's uprising, and an, an uprising led by men known as the Rat, the Pig, and the Hawk. So, all that in mind, what do we think? Well, I think if it wasn't for his kids, he probably would have had a very good reign. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's what, like, every, like, great podcast I listen to, like, says that point blank. It's like, it's like, oh, oh, your kids are just, like, awful. Yeah. That's like, that's a shame. Because, like, you're doing everything right. And to be fair, like, Duncan, at least, is, a, like, a nice guy. It's just, like, he just, he ends up becoming, okay, I'll, I'll say it now. He be, ends up becoming King Edward VIII. I was like, uh, no, you can't marry, no. No, don't. No, I don't care if you says, say she's magical. You can't marry, she's a peasant. Yeah, sorry, not gonna happen. No. But that's a little bit into Madness and Misrule, ultimately. Mm-hmm. As a king, he, rele- he relieved the people during the, a bitter winter. He cared so much for the people, and the people adored him. And whenever there was a rebellion, he crushed it. Yeah. So. I'm going to give him a nine. I was going to give him an eight, but you know what? Yeah, nine. Yeah. Nine, only because his kids screwed up so freaking badly is otherwise almost perfect rule. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. That really is sad, because he's... And I love it. We'll get into the final verdict, but I love Egg so much as a character. He's such a wonderful character. Yeah. And he's so, so tragic, because like that's the tragedy. He's like, he's he seems to be up to the job for being king, but then he's like, he's not a tough parent. Yeah. Or like, he's not willing to be, like, force his kids to do something like that he never himself had to do. Right. So, the next category, the warrior. He won every war he fought and was a very good warrior, but he did not seem to enjoy battle like Magor. He was more like Aegon the Conqueror. Yeah. Honestly, okay. This might be spoiling things a tiny bit for, for I think, the final verdict, but I think he's the only one of the five Aegons that is truly worthy of that name since the first one. Yes. I agree. He fought bravely and showed himself as a leader in the third Blackfire Rebellion. He fought in the Peak Uprising amidst the chaos when his father, King Makar, was killed. He may have taken charge and demonstrated to many his quality to be their king. 
He led and was able to end the fourth Blackfire Rebellion with Sir Duncan personally slaying Damon III. There you go. I'm going to give him a 9 again. The only reason I'm not going to give him a 10 is because he didn't enjoy the fight. I think he, I think he deserves a 10 because, because oh, yeah. like all of these conflicts are so swiftly, like Jaehaerys-like, resolved. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have dragons. And he picks the right people to fight when he is, himself is not fighting. He gets Dunk to end the, a rebellion with a single combat. That's pretty good, actually. That's a good point. You sold me into that. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, way to go, then. Uh, it's strike that. I'm going to give it a 9.5. 9. Okay, 9.5, all right, fair enough. I'm a 10 because it, all the conquering had to be done, so he wasn't a conqueror. Well, we didn't give Aegon full marks, but that was also because he had dragons. Yes. Really? You know which Aegon we mean when we say Aegon. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like a Caesar thing. Exactly. So, 19.5. That only puts him 0.5 behind the our only perfect score in the Warrior so far of, of Darren the Young Dragon. Yeah. But, now we're going to get into the ugly side of things. Of madness and misrule. So... Because we don't have anything truly detailing what ultimately happened at Summerhall, we cannot know if he really went mad. If we assume the worst, he did seem to plan to do awful things for the good of the realm. Yeah. If he really wanted to kill Rhaegar, then he prob- he really did not meet- want to... He really wanted to do it for the best of reasons. Still... That's a popular fan theory, by the way. It's one that I suspect may be close to the mark. Yeah. But the problem is, is that... You're right about one thing. He was a good ruler, but he didn't have... He was not the good parent. So, okay. My next notes. You can argue his unwillingness to force his sons and daughter to marry who he wanted caused great discord in the realm. Eh. It's, it's to be expected, though. The lords hated him. That's because they t- he took away their power. Although a peaceful man at heart, his reign was plagued with wars and rebellions. Which he swiftly put down. That's a good counterpoint. He seems to embody the difficult reality that a good man is not necessarily a good ruler. Which yeah. is definitely what something George R. R. Martin brings time and time again. Uh, it, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Because he seemed to actually be a fairly competent ruler. You know, but he is very much a competent ruler. It's just that his sons, and it is his fault because he can't really get his sons to understand why he's, he asks them to marry who he, who he asks them to marry. Yeah. But like, in their defense, it's like, well, Dad, you married for love. Like, you married a- Mom for love. Why can't we do what we want to do? Well, I think the problem is the counterpoint to that is that's because Aegon, that's because Aegon was the fourth, was the fourth son. Yeah, yeah. It was like so. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, no, Becky. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. We don't care. He was. That was well before he even knew he was going to be king. Yeah. 
So. Like I said, like it was like that's why I joked in the in the first in the first part. It was like it's like well, him marrying oh that's the, that, that wasn't an issue yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah, but um, it's really hard to say because again, this could have ended. It's, it's weird because like the basically it's unless we know what happens in Summer Hall, and he really did go cuckoo. I don't think he. I don't think he went completely crazy. I think he. M- but he might have made a very rash decision. I think he might have, and it definitely led to Prince Duncan being dead. It led to Sir Duncan the Tall being dead. It led to a lot of people dying in Summer Hall, and it's a humongous disaster that had humongous impact that really defines. What leads eventually to Robert's rebellion? Yeah. And even if you assume the best of what happened in Summer Hall, he was still going to kill a kid. Well, no, no, no. If you assume the best, it's like the Lords did something or something like that, or it was just an accident. I'm thinking either an accident or he got sold out. That's me, though. And you let that happen, though. So. Um, I'm bordering from five to six because it's just like I'm gonna give him a six because he himself was not a bad ruler, but some of the consequences of his actions were so terrible that I mean, sorry, that's just bad. I I will go I will go six because because we don't know what what fully happened in. In Summer Hall, mm-hmm. like that, that prevents it from going a full either way. Yeah, definitely like it, like five at least for for like not being able to manage your sons. Right. Even though your sons don't seem like bad kids, it's just like it's like you're 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 just like egg. Like you're a good person, but you now have to be a ruler. You have to like balance the two out. Yeah, it's about the personal sacrifice, John, Rob Stark. You can't, like, you can't marry for love, or it's like, you gotta make some sacrifices. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's TV show Rob. Book Rob has a little bit of a different reason for marrying who he marries, which yeah. we'll get into. So kind of weak. Yeah. So... I'm leaning towards the sex. Yeah, I'm going to go six also, because even if he was, like, a little bit mad for, for even if we assume the worst, mm-hmm. like, it was a, if we assume the worst, which is, like, the Rhaegar theory, right? Summer Hall, it's still, like, like I said, like, even if we assume the worst, he did that, he would have done that with the absolute best of intentions, which is... He was willing to sacrifice a child to make sure that he had dragons so he could make it so that the lives of his people were better. And just say the, tell the lords to shut up. Yeah, that's... Now, that uh, is really crazy. And it's like, all right, how do you even know that will work? Exactly. You don't know it'll work. But you were desperate. We get it. Yeah. We understand, is what but we're saying. Cool. But it was still a mistake. Yes. So six. Yeah. 
good <laughs> scores, but like unfortunately he also scored high on this one. That's interesting. Yeah. So this is like a first for us where, where we got high scores in almost every category. Huh. And it might actually be one of the highest, highest scores. It might very well be. Okay. So, next category, the light category. Mm -hmm. Portrait. Okay. Send it over. So, here's the official portrait from Amok. Um, it's on westeros.org. Okay. And this is obviously once he's decided to grow out his hair. <laughs> yes. Almost there. Give me a moment. Okay. Portrait is loading. Hopefully it does. All right. I'm just going to look at it myself. I'm also sending another one. This other one is from the World of Ice and Fire. So, did you get it? The first one? We're working on it. It got it, but it just needs to load. Oh. Technical difficulties. Slight technical difficulties. It's called being the worst data uh, on the face of the earth. Okay. Almost. We're very... Just fun podcast. He, look, he looks like a king. Yep. He definitely looks like a king. Honestly... He looks like a... Looks like he looks like a wise king. Yes, that's what I was going to say. He looks like a wise king. He almost looks like a friendly like king, though, at the same time. Like, he doesn't seem like a... Well, he's he a king I would follow, but he's not a king I would fear. Well, he's a... He's, the ty he's like a nicer-looking version of uh, Viserys Targaryen from the show. Oh. More yeah, like what nice. Rhaegar supposedly looked like. Okay. I think he looks like everything I want in a king, pretty much. Yep. And uh, the other one I think is an even better picture. He looks like really like a, a king yeah. and a man. That one, that one shows the warrior. Or the, yeah. The, the, definitely. So. I mean, I give him four, four and a half out of five only because he's not quite as powerful as you think you could be same so he looks uh, wise but, but I, I don't know if i'd fear him well he definitely doesn't want to be feared though like that's the opposite no, of him and, his, and his father so I, i'm gonna go exactly where you are i'm at four and a half so nine so wow he has scored yeah. fairly high on every category I think the only nice. one who ever did that other than him was uh, like Bloody. no no king has ever scored we've never really had this before yeah because like he's both like a really good king a really good warrior but he also made some very big mistakes that's kind of a rare one where it's like he's actually a good king but his legacy is tarnished. Yeah. 
Oh, definitely. Like very badly toned because we're in the true twilight of the Targaryen dynasty. He basically is the last great king. I think that might hint at where we're going to go, but yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, we see, we hear that all the time. We hear that all the time with great empires. Great empires rise and fall. Holy mackerel. Oh, my goodness gracious. He scored wonderful. He scored yes. 84.5. Damn. 84.5. That is 0.5 behind Aegon the Conqueror. Yes. He is one of the highest scoring kings, and I am super jazzed for him because I'm not going to hide it. I love Aegon the Fifth. I love Aegon so much. Well, he has to be. He has to be in the top five, if not in the top three, right? For for score? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, well he was only behind. Like a uh, Aegon the the Conqueror is still number two. Okay. Yes. But, but he is now in number three. Not bad, not bad, kid. Way to go, way to go, Dunk! You trained a good king. Mm-hmm. Rather surprisingly. And also, Makar, your one good son turned out to be pretty well worth it. I mean, he scored twenty-four higher than his father. Wow. Nice. Wow. Okay. All scores aside, the big, the big question. Is Aegon V a dragon or a dud? Is he someone who has a huge impact on history, that shape, he shaped history, or is he more just a footnote of history? Yeah, he absolutely shaped history. He is a dragon. Like, one, his, his story is very important. Yes. What uh, he, is he remembered? He, in my opinion, is remembered as the last guy, great Targaryen king. Because everything from down here, as you can just tell, because there's only a few of them left, really just goes kind of downhill from there. It's just a shame. Like, also, he is a dragon because his sons are so impactful. Yes. And like how he responded to his yes. sons. And we said that before. Like, I'll say in my defense of why. The difference, though, is that is that he is very impactful because of his decisions that, that led to Summerhall, his decisions that that like crushed Blackfire rebellions, his him able to really manage the empire, the the realm very well, his unlikely story. He is such yeah. a big character, and he is a really good king, and he really is. Sadly, without spoiling things, but you yourself can see it. It's totally in the in the writing. He is the last great Targaryen king. He might not be the last dragon. We'll see where we rank for verdict on that, but he is definitely the last. Like, honestly, he was a great king, and honestly, Egg is basically the last great Going through this now, like, mm-hmm. Since Darren, really, there hasn't been a really... Makar was fine, but, like... But Aegon was great. Aegon was great. And... Yes. It's just a shame, like, if he 
had a better circumstance, he could have been as great as Agal the Culperer, as great as Jaharis. It's just like... It's like he's so good at this job. It's just like, oh, your kids are just sapping him from being the greatest king possible. So kids are just idiots. Yep. So, um, with congratulations, Aegon the Fifth. Egg, you are not only the co-star of a book, but you are a dragon. You are a dragon. One of the highest scoring good kings and a dragon. Congratulations. So this has been so much fun. I'm so glad we got to talk about egg. I've been so looking forward to talking about egg since we started doing the show. Nice. Such a fun character and such a great, sad, tragic, magnificent story. Mm-hmm. And just like so great and unlikely that he would be the squire of a hedge knight and yet he becomes a king. Mm-hmm. Like one being a squire of a hedge knight is like so wonderful story, right? But then like and how that I want you to be a squire of a hedge knight because that will make you a better person. Aw. And he does become a better person. He becomes a good king. Mm-hmm. So, all that in mind, we let's next week we cover his son Jaharis the second. Can he live up to his father's legacy? And what will he do? We'll see. Find out next week.